show for missionary disciples who worship Christ in the Eucharist and serve him in their neighbor, for whom the words of the creed reverberate through their daily activity. This is a show for those like you and me who make the conscious choice to follow Christ outside the walls. Well, we've turned the page. <laughs> uh, kind of holding our breath, aren't we? <laughs> we? We look around. We've put the new calendar up just as quick as we could. We're like, you know what? 2020 is behind us as we look over our shoulder and make sure that it doesn't follow us. Uh, you know, it's it's been for just about everyone a difficult year for different reasons but but one of the things that is really interesting is we're all facing the same challenges here we are looking at the world through new and different eyes i'm reminded as i as i look at this situation try to make sense of what we have gone through and what we are still working our way out of in this this uh pandemic and everything that goes along with it. I'm reminded a little bit of the stories in the Old Testament of the children of God in one scenario or another, removed from their own comfort, removed from all that is familiar to them and exiled to a new place. We see this a couple of times. One most notably, uh, and the one that probably all of us think of immediately, is when the children of Israel are are in the, the land of Egypt right before the Exodus, and the difficulty that they go through there. But this happens again also with the Babylonian exile and with the Assyrian exile, where the the children of Israel are taken from their home, taken from everything that's familiar to them, and and oppressed and, and experience great suffering in someone else's homeland. And as I look at, at our experience here this year, this has really been that universal experience for all of us, that everything that's familiar and comfortable and, and um, easy to understand and anticipate, all that's been taken from us as we've gone through this difficult year that's just passed. But I think of specifically this time with, uh, with the children of Israel in Egypt, that they were there for decades Right? They were there for, for hundreds of years, uh, starting out as, as their salvation and ending up in a place of, of slavery and how difficult that was and how it, ultimately it was God's miraculous hand that delivered them and brought them into the promised land. I look at this and I think uh, of a couple of things. One realizing that turning the page on the calendar doesn't necessarily mean that everything that we've gone through this past year is over and recognizing there, there may still be difficult days ahead. Uh, but to continue on and not lose hope as we trust that God uh, is in control and that God is going to bring us deliverance. Um, toward the beginning of the pandemic, I was praying the liturgy of the hours every day. I, I have to be honest, I, I fell down on that uh, because... And of course, we all have our reasons and excuses. But for me, it was because I went through a job transition and I went through a move. My family moved uh, a couple of hours north from where we were before. Now I am seven miles from the Canadian border. It's glorious. I love it up here. But all of those routines were shaken and uh, and kind of went by the wayside. So I'm looking at this new year, not so much as the end of all that was difficult, but as a, as a moment to stake my... Uh, 
uh, my walking stick back in the ground and say, you know what, we're going to start on this trek again. Because everything that's around us is still unfamiliar and uncomfortable. And I don't want to get comfortable in a land that's not my homeland. Now, by that, I'm not talking about my physical location, but rather I'm looking at the world around me and recognizing, perhaps you too, more clearly now, that the things that would normally bring me comfort in this world that have been removed from me, they're really not the right things to bring me comfort anyway. I need to progress toward my homeland. There's this this um, this old spiritual. Uh, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through, right? We are sojourners, strangers in a strange land, as we are living out this earthly existence, but knowing full well that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And trying to find our place in in that in that tension can be a difficult thing. I want to encourage you as we are in this new year, not to so much pine and long for for what used to be, right? We talked about this a little bit earlier as well, that we're not looking to return to what was normal, but to find a new and better normal as we proceed forward, to find a, a new and better way of being a parish, of being a church, uh, that we would grow in as disciples, as missionary disciples, to re- regain some of what uh, the comfort of these last several decades uh, have taken from us. It's, it's strange to think of that, but comfort does take things from us. Uh, it, it takes ambition and drive. Comfort can take away uh, the, our, our prayer life in some ways, because if everything is hunky-dory and just fine, yeah, we have a prayer of gratitude here and there, but we don't persist in that prayer maybe as stringently when we are uh, satisfied, when everything is right with the world. So here as we're, as we're realizing that we may still have a little ways to go in this, in this pandemic journey as a people— This is an opportunity for us not so much to long for the days that are past, but for us to imagine anew those days that are coming. You see, God didn't want the children of Israel to look backwards at the days that had been positive for them in Egypt, those days shortly after Joseph brought his brothers to live there as a place of refuge and respite from the famine that had struck the whole land. There was a time when Egypt was the right place for them to be. Ultimately, through this whole experience, he didn't want merely to return them to those positive days. He wanted to send them back to the land that he had promised to Abraham. He wanted to send them back so that he could more fully bless them in who they were meant and called to be. So too for us, we can't merely look back at the comfort that we had before all of this happened over the last year. But we have to look and say, where are we being goaded onto? Why are we being pushed out of this comfort zone? Where is it that God wants to take us? What is the the fulfillment of the promise that we need to move toward? I think many of us are just so worn out that we might not take the time to strain our eyes toward the horizon. But there is a horizon 
not just the, the light at the end of the tunnel, but the fulfillment of a promise that we, being filled with the Holy Spirit, would be those missionary disciples who fulfill that call of Christ, who fulfill that prayer, and are the, 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 the vessels through which he brings his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. The, the, the hands and the feet through which today he does those things of healing the sick, caring for the poor, and bringing liberty to the captive. This, this is where we are headed. Uh, and it may not seem that way as we've gone through all of this, this difficulty, but this ultimately is where we're headed, that we would be the light of Christ to the world who is currently here in darkness. And that seems like a little bit of a, of a stretch, a little bit of a jump to go from where we are to where that is, right? As the, uh, as the old adage goes, you're driving through the the backwoods and you ask someone from directions and they say, well, you can't get there from here. Uh, it sometimes feels that way as we look at, at where uh, the saints are, right? We look at, at how the saints affected the church and then we kind of look at where we are in our lives and go, well, you know, um, I don't really have that kind of, of relationship with God. I don't have the ability to do those great things for God. And God wants to say to us, ah, but you could, right? We're not going to get there overnight. It's not going to be something that just all of a sudden through an act of our will, we suddenly become holy, but it is a place that we are called to and a journey that we can begin right now. This is the time, uh, not because it's the first of a new year, but simply because it's today, right? Today is the day. There's that, that lovely, it comes up across in the Liturgy of the Hour several times. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts, right? Today, whatever that day happens to be, if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts, uh, there's another passage in Scripture, I, I don't have it right in front of me, but it's it says, um, let's do this while it's still called today. So, yeah, I mean, we do have a new year. We have turned the page on the calendar. Now it says January. It's got a new number on it. But there's more to it than just that. Today, we have the opportunity to hear the voice of God, to hear him beckoning us into a new place, and to follow with our whole heart this new call to this new reality that maybe the situations around us change, and we hope that they do, and we see signs that they might, but even if they don't, even if they don't, that we follow God into the places where he is calling us as missionary disciples. So how do we take those first steps? I said to you earlier, I had a nice regiment of prayer going on and it's gone by the wayside through my transitions that's kind of been lost. And it can be humbling to go back to the beginning and say, well, uh, I need to, I need to figure out a new regiment of prayer. And yet this is a kind of a universal experience for disciples of Jesus Christ, all the way back to those first ones. They came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. John the Baptist told his disciples how to pray. Can't you tell us as well? Isn't there some formula or something or some uh, some practice or some regimen or some way that we can approach prayer so that we can connect with God too? So 
if you feel a little bit lost in prayer, you're not alone, right? All, all throughout the centuries, we as a people have wired into us this desire to pray and maybe this uncertainty of how to pray. Well, I was poking around the other day on, uh, on the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame, their website, and what did I find there but a course and a free course at that uh, called Praying with the Saints, something you can sign up for. I have already signed up for it by going to mcgrath.nd.edu slash saints. Uh, free to sign up, and we're going to talk today with Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo. He's there at the University of Notre Dame. He teaches theology and works at the McGrath Institute for Church Life. He is overseeing this course. We've had him on the show a few times. You can find those episodes by going to OutsideTheWalls.com. Right there on the right-hand side, you'll see a list of all our participants. Just scroll down to Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo. Click that. You can find this episode as well as all the other ones he's been a part of. Uh, we've only had you on a few times, and it's been over a year since we've had you, but uh, some of the work that you've done recently and been putting out there and upcoming books that are coming out, hopefully we won't repeat that mistake again. Thanks for being with us today, Dr. DeLorenzo. Wonderful to be back. Thank you, T.L. So here we are. Uh, in the new year, typically there's this uh, this cultural anticipation of of a big change, right? Here we are in this, everything is going to launch maybe a little bit more this year uh, as we're looking at 2020 behind us. We're uh-huh. saying, hey, that, that door is finally closed, whether whether or not it ends up that way. There's this perception that that new year with 2021, uh, it's just going to bring a whole host of changes. Uh, we make New Year's resolutions and, and the like. Well, you have an opportunity for us to actually do something about that, to get into uh, maybe a little bit of personal and spiritual betterment, turning the page into a new year by praying with the saints. We've got yeah. this course coming up. Tell us a little bit about it, uh, and then we'll dig deep a little bit uh, sure. later on. So, as, you know, it should be said that as we're recording, we're just in the latter days, the very last days of 2020. And I'm still not entirely sure 2020 is going to end. I almost <laughs> feel like it's this is uh, Groundhog Day instead of instead of uh, having one day, we're going to have the whole year to do over until we get it right. But wouldn't that be something? There's a whole spiritual quest in that. And that'll be a terrible movie that we should all miss eventually. <laughs> but to your point, um, right beginning at in the first days of 2021, um, we're launching a series from the McGrath Institute for Church Life called Praying with the Saints. And in some ways, it's it's intentionally a small and humble project. Mm-hmm. The idea here is really for each of us to take a day-to-day approach of not just praying to the saints, not just learning about the saints, but actually practicing the ways of prayer that particular saints themselves practiced. So the whole series features four particular saints. And the way in which we're going to do it is that at the beginning of each week, Saturday into Sunday, we'll release a new short video, which is from one of our four guides in this series, who will tell you a little bit about the saint, kind of, it's, it's a little bit of education, but really it's moving towards guiding our participants towards praying that particular saint's manner of prayer in each of the days of the following week, and then offering the fruits of that prayer, as well as the struggles from that prayer, 
in a prayer of commitment at the Sunday Eucharist or as part of a spiritual communion at the end of that week. So the whole idea is really to move from, I suppose, head to heart to learn something, but then take what we learn and actually do something with it in our life of prayer. One of the things you you mentioned there is this this kind of daily uh, living in that moment and, and yeah. participating in that. As I've been contemplating, you know, the the turn of the calendar page into 2021, that's one of the things that uh, maybe the pandemic has brought out a little bit more is that these really are kind of arbitrary milestones that we set up for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I see it some in my kids where it's like, oh man, I can't wait until, and then they whatever the the until is right <laughs> i can't wait until this happens i want it to snow yeah. oh now i can now i i've got this new skateboard i can't go out and play in it because there's snow i can't wait till the snow's gone there's all of these i can't wait moments that we've ar- arbitrarily set up for ourselves uh and and really that flip of the calendar page from 2020 to 2021 is no different than from uh from october to november which is no different than October 31st to November 1st, right? Which is no mm-hmm. different really than seven o'clock to eight o'clock there. And so taking us down to that level, realizing that every single moment is a new moment for us to make a, a, a difference, to make a change, to make a commitment uh, and to be present in that moment. And that's something that I see in the prayers of the saints is this not so much looking into the future of what will be, but simply accepting and and living in the moment that they have. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think for at least the calendar year 2020, which felt like a decade, um, we were all confronted with an incredible amount of instability, and we've heard enough about uncertain times for a lifetime. But mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, the thing that was obviously unique is that we were all encountering the same source of instability at the same time. But Mm -hmm. if we take a step back from that, I think something that we could probably pretty easily confess is that instability is not just the possession of 2020. Like we're always involved in some form of instability and uncertainty, personally, communally, from time to time, in season and out of season. One of the things we find in the saints is, of course, each of them encountered all forms of instability and uncertainty throughout the course of their lives. But what they each did was create a stable life of prayer. They found stability in the Lord. And in season and out of season, they remained with that rule, with that spiritual practice, with that way of opening themselves up to be known by God and to know God. So that sounds like pretty high-flying stuff for those of us who are just sort of muddling through our days here. But really what it is, is it's a commitment to the everyday practice of the Christian faith to dedicate 15 or 30 minutes every day to a particular way of prayer. Because the really remarkable thing about the saints is all for all the beauty and splendor we find in them, that's what was at the root of it, this regular practice of giving themselves over on a daily basis in small chunks of time to the Lord. That's really what we're trying to capture in this series. And there's only so much, I suppose, that we can tell people about it and teach on it. The whole point is for each of us together as part of a little pilgrimage of prayer to actually just practice the prayers. Mm-hmm. 
We're talking with Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo. Of course, the course is Praying with the Saints. You can get information about it by going to mcgrath.nd.edu slash Saints. I'll put a link to that up on our social media so that you can sign up for it. I already have. I'm looking forward to going through this process. Uh, as you're talking uh, about this instability that we have encountered mm-hmm. over this year, um, I think that... The level to which we uh, feel unstable is the level to which we have put our our trust and our security in the things that are now shaken, right? That's one of the reasons that the saints in many ways are so unshakable is that their confidence wasn't in the things that could be shaken. Uh, we have a lot of confidence in, in, our, in our culture, in our uh, our community in our, you know, security of our job, whatever the case may be. Uh, and this last year that has almost universally been shaken for people. Uh, I'm reminded of this song by, uh, by an artist by the name of Rich Mullins who died in the mid nineties. Uh, he was a Christian contemporary Protestant uh, artist, but he was, uh, going through RCIA interested in the church and his music just really kind of points to that. But one of his songs, uh, he says, uh, everything that could be shaken was shaken and all that remained is all I ever really had. Uh, and I, I feel that. And that I feel mm. that specifically about this year. And I feel that about looking at the lives of the saints is that this shaking, as uncomfortable as it is, is revealing to us the things that remain and the things that last. And those are really, truly the only things that that were ever stable to begin with. Mm. I think there's something definitely to be said for that. I also think that kind of embracing the spiritualities of the saints, which is really giving our hearts over to Christ, as you're saying, and having that stable commitment, frees us to respond to the things of the day with the right perspective and appropriately. So we might find ourselves disturbed, and many times we should be lamenting. But I think what you're pointing to, if I'm hearing you correctly, is we oftentimes lament in the wrong way over the wrong things. Mm -hmm. And we encounter various forms of anxiety, perhaps out of proportion or in the wrong direction. But to, to allow Christ to be the stable foundation from which we can praise and we can lament is really to allow ourselves to be transformed by him. And I think the saints are our guides towards allowing us to have that right perspective and right foundation. If we follow them really in the ways that they want us to follow them, they'll lead us to Christ and to being rooted in Christ. And I think that also frees us to respond correctly to what's going on around us today. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, I suppose like at times I should be shaken as a Christian, but I'm probably shaken, to take your point, in the wrong ways over the wrong things sometimes, many of the time. So I suppose this is a correction in perspective. Mm-hmm. So I want to look a little bit at, you've got this four-week series. Uh, yeah, twelve it, week, it's actually oh, a 12-week series. It's a four, four saints, three weeks with each saint. Okay. So yeah. 12-week series, you've got four saints is, I, I guess, the point that I was going to. I'm curious, right. um, mm-hmm. you have a, a strong relationship with the saints individually. You're, you're 
uh, you have this beautiful work. We talked about it with the first episode we ever had together, uh, was your work on, um, the communion of the saints, the theological oh, yeah. reconstruction of the communion of the saints. Great book on Notre mm-hmm. Dame press. Um, that you've got a great relationship with the saints and the work that you do through the McGrath Institute. You'll have the, um, the lunch with the saints, uh, the, on YouTube where y'all can go in. There's a, just a lot of interaction with the saints. You've got these workbooks that are available through, uh, through the McGrath Institute for, for middle school and high schoolers, this curriculum to interact and engage with and learn about the saints. And there Mm -hmm. are so many that are out there. What I'm curious about in this specific instance, you have these four saints for this course. What drew you to select these four saints? And what about these four saints' prayer styles and prayer lives uh, do you see as being something that would be beneficial for us in our day and age? Well, to be honest, I mean, there were four of us that were going to be part of putting this, at least this first series together. We plan to probably do something like this um, again and a number of times. I think it's going to be a repeatable Um, pattern. But for the four of us that were going to put this together, we, you know, in a planning meeting, we, we talked about who we would like to focus on personally. And I wanted to do something with, there were a few people popping around, but I wanted to do something with Teresa of Avila in particular with the prayer of recollection and seeking solid communion and solitude. So that's what I'm doing in the series. Um, My uh, colleague, Sister Anna Stell, wanted to do something with St. Francis, and so she's offering a look at particular prayers uh, of St. Francis and providing really remarkable teaching on them and helping us to pray those prayers more deeply. Then um, Katie Cavadini, my colleague in the theology department, uh, she's had a long love of St. Bernadette and of the rosary, and has done some research on Bernadette in particular. So she's presenting Bernadette on the Rosary, which is obviously a presentation of Our Lady as well. Um, and then our boss, John Cavadini, who's the director of the McGrath Institute for Church Life, is one of the leading Augustine scholars in the world. But he doesn't just study and know Augustine. He also sort of imbibes Augustine's spirituality and can both teach Augustine and break open the spiritual life that Augustine presents to us. So he's going to be teaching us on and then leading us into praying the Psalms with St. Augustine, which is no easy task, as you might imagine, but um, helping us to really pray with the whole Christ in the body of the Psalms, as Augustine instructs us to do. So those four saints, Teresa of Avila, Francis of Assisi, Bernadette, and Augustine, really spoke to each of the four of us who were putting this first uh, part of the series together, this 12-week series. And so we gave ourselves over to trying to prepare and to teach and to guide people into their prayer. The course is called Praying with the Saints. You can sign up for it today by going to mcgrath.nd.edu slash saints. I've done it. I'd love for you to be a part of it as well. As soon as you sign up, you'll get all that you need to participate in this engaging study. And don't keep it to yourself. Once you get started, why don't we have a conversation about it over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handles at outside the walls. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo about how praying with the saints can change our, our year and our life. Don't go anywhere. There's much more to come right after this. You're listening to outside the walls with 
of Notre Dame, where he teaches theology and works at the McGrath Institute for Church Life. The McGrath Institute is a fantastic uh, the, the component organization. I, I don't even know exactly how it's organized, other than to say that its mission is to equip the church with the things that it needs. So it's a marrying academia and uh, ecclesia. And so beautiful things. There are some curriculums that are available. If you want, if you're a volunteer, you're a DRE, you're doing something at your parish, great materials there for you. There's also just a lot of academics to interact with. They've got the Church Life Journal, churchlifejournal.nd.edu that I just absolutely love. Uh, Dr. Delorenzo, thank you again for being with us. It's a pleasure. So um, we're talking about this new series, uh, that uh, 12-week series for for folks to go through to pray with the saints, praying with the saints, uh, mcgrath.nd.edu slash pray with the saints to sign up. Uh, and I'm very excited about this. Um, I also know that you do other things. You've got a number of books <laughs> that are that yeah. are out uh, and a number of books that are coming out. Uh, you work with... Uh, with uh, rather high schoolers uh, to help them prepare and, and rather high schools uh, to prepare them, not just to make college students, but to make saints. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that you do parish missions. You've got one that's just intriguing to me called the saints should disturb us. Uh, you, you speak, you do uh, radio, you do not only this one, but you have the, the church life radio as well. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you don't? <laughs> don't do yeah there are plenty of things and we don't have enough time on your show to talk about and then and on top of that there's the things that i that i do that i don't do well so that's a whole nother list so yeah, yeah. so i wanted to talk about um I, i'm interacting with this idea i don't even know anything about the the series but this idea uh-huh. that the saints should disturb us and mm-hmm. i know you've done a lot of work with uh with this formulation of what does it mean uh for us to be and believe in a communion of saints. There's this wrestling with belonging to that family of saints and how that interaction plays. And I'm just intrigued by how that relationship that we have with the saints should move us and affect our lives as any other relationship that we can, uh, you know, be present with would do. Well, I've long held the belief that the best way to come to know a saint on her own terms is to actually pray the way in which that saint prayed. And then the second best way, or maybe the companion way to know that saint, is to perform the acts of mercy that that saint performed. What I'm saying there is that we can, of course, be in some ways awestruck by the saints, and we like to look at them and be marveled by them. And of course, a lot of times we can be intimidated by the remarkable finished product that a saint becomes towards the end of their life and when their full figure of holiness has really been um, sort of perfected. Uh, 
But if we were to give ourselves to really desiring to become like the saints, we would follow them step by step in how they got to where they ended up. And I say that the best way to come to know a saint is actually pray the way a saint prayed because that's going to cost you something. It costs you only a little bit to kind of learn about the saint. And I think the learning about the saint is really important. And it does cost you something, like you're giving over your time and attention to your study. But when you take on the practice of praying the way the saint prayed, in baby steps, little bit by little bit, that's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you uh, building in a new routine. It's going to come at the cost of other things that you would do otherwise. It's going to come at the cost of like our own capriciousness and fickleness and all of that stuff. I think that's a way to let the saints disturb us, actually, because they mess with, they actually show how we can allow Christ to mess with our day to day. And we're going to lose things through that. And over the repeated practice of doing what the saints did in little bits and little bits, we're going to gain a lot too, but we don't know what we're going to gain until we actually do it. I remember in um, the Brothers Karamazov, uh, Zosima, I think, is, is speaking to Alyosha, and he's speaking about this pious widow who has these great fantasies of doing these remarkable works of charity and caring for the suffering and all this stuff. And eventually, Zosima has to tell her, you know, active love is a harsh and dreadful thing basically compared to what you're fantasizing about. The fantasies about doing these great things is one thing, but actually being confronted with sores and wounds and then doing something in response, that's what actually costs you. And I think we can fantasize about the prayer life of the saints and our own prayer life, but what actually costs us is taking a step to pray as they pray and then eventually to serve as they serve. And now you have a little preview of what our our later series is going to be. It's going to be serving with the saints. You know, it is such a, a challenge, you know. I, so for me, I, I have a, a draw towards Benedictine spirituality, and I, I I'm able to pray with the Liturgy of the Hours some, but mm-hmm. but the idea of praying all of the hours and doing it consistently sure. and not being distracted by anything else, and um, and of course there is the sense of uh, that that we get from praying within our own station, right? We have our own mm-hmm. vocations that that'll be different, and yet there is. Uh, there is a maybe a little bit of discomfort or um, uncertainty. Getting back to that word, mm-hmm. to saying, "Well, can I really turn my attentions and and my uh, my focus over to this life of prayer that the saints have?" Uh, and there's a little bit of of letting go of control uh, as we look towards beginning to follow in those ways and those footpaths uh, of prayer. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm doing the the sessions on Teresa of Avila. Um, I kind of closed the door on the fully cloistered life when I got married, right? Like I'm not, go- I'm not going full Teresa. Um, the Carmelite spirituality to the extent that I would practice it is going to be modified for my station, as you're saying. But I also find in, even in reading the interior castle, which is, you know, her, if not her greatest masterpiece, one of them, it is, an utterly sort of mystical and transcendent guide to contemplative prayer. But on the other hand, it's so utterly practical. Like she just knows the people that she's writing to. She just knows her Carmelite sisters for whom she wrote that book. And somehow, strangely, she just knows each one of us. 
And she can say things, though she says this in her letters, it, it applies to the interior castle. She can say things like, I consider distractions an incurable disease. And you're like, yes, sister, like I'm always <laughs> distracted. Right. And like, thank you for telling me it's basically incurable. And she's saying that she herself is, is just haunted by distractions. But the antidote to that is on the first hand, on the, on the one hand, don't be too harsh with yourself. Be gentle with yourself in being in succumbing to distractions. But at the other hand, be firm with your distractions and in your prayer, bring your attention back to the Lord. Ask him to take this temptation away. And so what you find, especially in those early dwelling places of the interior castle, is she's really talking about building up a very simple but repeatable habit of prayer of slowly drawing your attention to the Lord and away from other things. And she will say something like, it's better to do that for 15 minutes a day than to do it for an entire day once a month. That is so practical, isn't it? Like we just know that's right. And so that's the kind of thing we're drawing in, you know, to this series on praying with the saints really it's just an echo of what Teresa of Avila is teaching her sisters. And then any who would read her guides into prayer um, as her own way of discovering solitude with the Lord. Something you said there um, that, that I think is, is just so important for us to grasp as we're moving into this new year. Um, Benedict talks about this as well. As he's giving his instructions to the abbots, he says, be, be gentle enough so that no one is, uh, no one despairs, but firm Mm -hmm. enough so that even the strongest is challenged. Yeah, And so you're talking here about don't be too hard on yourself and yet be firm with yourself. Uh, There's this idea going around that the more rigorous something is and the more stringent and strict it is, the more holy it is. And yet the the virtue is always found in between the extremes of vice. So what does that look like for us as we, uh, we have a tendency to both be too hard on ourselves and too easy on ourselves, right? We vacillate between saying, well, I have to do everything perfectly and I'm going to pray for 45 minutes an hour uh, and then saying, oh, well, I I didn't get that done. So I'm just going to give up and it's all okay. Everything's fine. Where, where is the, the balance in this challenge of the spiritual life? (laughs) Well, I think the, the most important time for modesty is at the beginning and to set really realistic, practical, maybe we'll just call them goals for lack of a better term, like realistic, practical ones. Like, you know what? It's better for a month or for three months to do this small thing repeatedly than to start, especially at the beginning of the year. I think this is where the New Year's things come in. Start at the beginning of the year and say, I'm just going to change the entire program of my life all at once. And I'm going to have these massive changes. And you might be able to pull it off for like five to 10 days And then just the weight of that whole thing, it just becomes, and once a little piece of that whole, you know, new me falls away and I slip into an old habit here or there or in another part of my life, pretty soon everything else is going to follow. So I think the modesty at the beginning and saying, I'm just going to do, I'm going to focus on this one thing and I'm just going to do this one thing. I think that's really the way in which growth in any way, including the spiritual life, really takes hold. Um, And, you know, to pull this back to what we're doing in our series, that's really the idea of it. Like, 
This isn't to become Teresa of Avila in three weeks. This is to follow her initiation into contemplative prayer, like the first steps of it, and just do these 15 minutes a day. Here's a little bit of guidance for it. It's something, not everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Same thing with Francis of Assisi and Bernadette and Augustine. So I like that approach. I like the modesty at the beginning. And, you know, working with undergrads as much as I do teaching and then uh, mentoring and counseling them, this is a hugely important thing because rightfully so, they're very idealistic a lot of times. They have grand ambitions. And even those who are seeking after great spiritual uh, fruits want to do great things right away. And it's like, whoa, let's start with something small that you actually hold on to. Make that a part of your life. Let it take root. And then we'll move on to step two. That's kind of the way I think about that. So let, you, you brought up something here that when when we inevitably, whether it's incurable <laughs> distraction, whether it's uh, we we miss a day of of this session, something falls apart. There comes a crack in in our uh, ideation of what we're supposed to be doing to improve our spiritual life. What would be a step that that would be that that you would see that would help someone develop that spirit of fortitude to persist even in the midst of perceived failure. Yeah. Well, you know, I, since I'm doing the bit on Teresa of Avila, as I mentioned, and that's the first uh, sort of unit or first saint in our series, I thought about that right in the second week. So we start with the first week and here's the prayer of recollection and here's what we're doing. And then in the second week, it's like, look, if you haven't failed yet and you haven't found yourself sort of totally distracted yet, you're going to be. Like, it's going to happen. And it's not my response to that. Teresa talks about this right in the first dwelling places. She says, be not too proud to start again, right? So it's the humility, which is always at the base of discipleship. It always begins in humility of being not too proud. That when we fail, okay, take a breath, find another starting point, and then try try to practice this practice again. Start again. If you missed it on Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday's the right time to start again. And I think, you know, I I think of a, of a series, like a 12-week series, and like standing at the at the threshold of that, you might say, oh my gosh, am I going to have to do this? Is it, Can I do 12 weeks? Mm-hmm. You know what? Do the first week and then renew your commitment for the second week. And if you have a bad third week, come back to it the fourth week and see if you can do it for this week, Right. I think there's much more involved in our sort of spiritual growth in that willingness to try again and to start over than if we just coasted along and made it through without, without strain and without tension for 12, something like 12 weeks. I also think, look, if it was an open-ended series and it started January 1st, 2021, and it went till the end of time, uh, no, who can make that commitment? Can you make a commitment for 12 weeks? How about just for one week for 15 minutes a day? Those kind of modest goals, I think, are really key. And then be not too proud to start again. Again, the the series is Praying with the Saints. You can get information about it on our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. We'll put a link there. And then let's have a conversation about it because I'm going to go through this. I want to hear what your experience of it was. Share that there on social media. Dr. DeLorenzo, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you for taking an interest. I appreciate it. 
If you missed any part of my conversation with Dr. DeLorenzo, you want to go back and listen to it again or share it with someone else who has an interest in it, have no fear. All of our episodes are archived by going over to OutsideTheWalls.com. There's extra content for all those who support the show through Patreon. Simply go to OutsideTheWalls.com. Up in the top right-hand corner of the page, you'll see the link. It says, support the show hyphen Patreon. Click that link and follow all the directions there. You can look through and see a couple of the extra segments that we've done in the past that are open and available to everyone. And then this segment is available to those who will make the decision to keep us on the air uh, by supporting the show at a small monthly amount. Well, now let's go ahead and turn our attention to our reading from Scripture and from church history. That's the sound of the Verbum Library launching up. You can get your own Verbum Library by going to Verbum.com. Try it free for 30 days and then decide how big a library you want. I use the Gold Library myself, and I think you'll love it as well. But for now, let's turn our attention to our readings from Scripture and from church history. Our reading today from the Scripture comes from the first epistle of St. John out of the second chapter. I am writing to you, children because your sins have been forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have conquered the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because... You are strong, and the word of God remains in you, and you have conquered the evil one. Do not love the the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, sensual lust, enticement for the eyes, and a pretentious life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Yet the world and its enticements are passing away. But whoever does the will of God remains forever. That reading comes from the first epistle of St. John out of the second chapter. And we see this here and in another place in, uh, in John's epistles, where he's giving us this juxtaposition. He's showing us two sides of ourselves. He's not talking to different people. He's showing us two sides of ourselves. He starts off saying, I'm writing to you because of the ways that you are succeeding, right? I write to you because your sins are forgiven, because you know him who's from the beginning, because you've conquered the evil one and the word of God remains in you. I'm writing to you because you have this strength. Ah, but, and... If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the sensual, all of that stuff, that's not from God. The struggle, right? Here we see the strength together with the struggle. Well, he shows us this in another place as well, as he's talking to this the same group of people, the same body of believers, where he says, um, anyone who is in Christ has no sin and does not sin, Yet for anyone who does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. So he's saying that there's this strength because you were in Christ, and yet even there, even as we have this strength in Christ, there is still the struggle. This is some of what we talked about 
earlier with Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo, that we we have to find this balance uh, between our ambition and our ability, right? That we can find the grace and the humility to walk these baby steps, to walk these steps toward holiness, always moving toward perfection, knowing full well that he who began a good work in us is faithful faithful to bring it to completion. So as we look at this beginning of this new year, it could be easy to be overly ambitious. It could also be easy to be overly distraught at our at our lack. And, and John comes in and he says to the body of believers, you have strength because of your baptism, because of the grace of God that's within you. Yet even as you have this strength, don't give in in the midst of the struggle. And so that's, that's my prayer as I'm entering into this new year. I, I pray that prayer also for each of you who listen, that God would give us the strength and the grace to persist as we journey toward holiness together. Our reading from Church History today comes from a, a letter on the Holy Spirit, a book on the Holy Spirit by St. Basil the Great. And I think just kind of dovetails right in here as he says to us, A spiritual man is one who no longer lives by the flesh, but is led by the Spirit of God, one called a son of God, remade in the likeness of God's Son. As the power of sight is active in a healthy eye, so the Holy Spirit is active in a purified soul. We may form a word either as a thought in the heart or as a sound on the lips. So the Holy Spirit, bearing witness to our spirits, cries out in our hearts, saying, Abba, Father, or speaks in our place, as Scripture says, it is not you who speak, it is the Spirit of the Father who speaks in you. In the gifts that he distributes, we can see the Spirit as a whole in relation to its parts. We are all members of one another, but with different gifts according to the grace God gives us. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you, nor can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. All the members together make up the body of Christ in the unity of the Spirit and render each other a necessary service through their gifts. God has arranged the various parts of the body according to his own will, but there exists among them all a spiritual fellowship, which makes it natural for them to share one another's feelings and to be concerned for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Moreover, As the parts are present in a single whole, so each of us is in the Spirit, since all who make up the one body have been baptized into the one Spirit. As the Father is seen in the Son, so the Son is seen in the Spirit. To worship in the Spirit, then, is to have our minds open to the light as we may learn from our Lord's words to the Samaritan woman. Misled by the traditions of her country, she imagined that it was necessary to worship God in a certain place. But our Lord gave her a different teaching. He told her that one must worship in spirit and in truth. 
and clearly by the truth he meant himself. As we speak of worship in the Son, because the Son is the image of God the Father, so we speak of worship in the Spirit, because the Spirit is the manifestation of the divinity of the Lord. Through the light of the Spirit, we behold the Son, the splendor of God's glory. And through the Son, the very stamp of the Father, we are led to him who is the source both of his stamp, who is the Son, and of its seal, who is the Holy Spirit. That reading comes from a book on the Holy Spirit by St. Basil the Great. Something stood out to me here is even as I read it, you know, I read this a couple of times beforehand as I prepared uh, for, for this time together. But as I was reading it to you here on air, something stood out to me that I didn't even notice then. We've heard very often this question. We even mentioned it earlier in the show as we were talking with Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo. Uh, we talked about being members of one another, right? And I've heard this passage about being one body many times over as we all have different gifts according to the same spirit and each of us has a different purpose and a different function. But something that I noticed today is a little bit different. And it's this single line here out of the middle. Let me see if I can get to it again. Um, where it says that all of the members together make up the body of Christ in the unity of the Spirit. Got that, done that, seen that, known that. And render each other a necessary service through their gifts. So here's a question that I have. Um, we're often very focused on our personal spiritual development, and this is good, right? Uh, we're, we're even many times focused on what we can do for God to the community around us, right? Whether that be uh, food banks or charity or whatever else the case may be, how can I use my gifts to serve the world? But how often do we think, and maybe you think, maybe you're so much more holy than I am and you think about this more often, do we think about the service that we render to the other members of the body? The eye, yes, it, it serves it serves its owner, it serves the head, it serves God, um, but the eye also serves the foot, right, to help it. You know, anyone who's walked through their dark dark house in the middle of the night knows the eye serves the foot by helping prevent it from getting bashed against pieces of furniture, right? Are we using the spiritual gifts that have been given to us, not only for our own spiritual maturity and growth, and not only for the sake of the world around us, but for the body of Christ itself? This is something I have to ponder. That you know, I, I'm a verbal processor, so I'm saying this out loud, but this is a question I have to think about, and I want to invite you to think about this as well. As we develop our spiritual life, it's not only for ourselves; it's for the sake of the body. So too the saints who have gone before us as we're coming into this, this session on praying with the saints, their holiness, their experience is for the sake of the whole body, the communion of saints that we now benefit from all these years later. May our spiritual development be a source of life and strength and hope to our body immediately, our church here on earth, but also to those ages who come after us. 
Well, that's all the time we have for today. I've got to sit here and think on that for a while. I want to invite you to do the same. Uh, Join me on that McGrath Institute Praying with the Saints. Go to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Twitter the handles at outside the walls for more information about it. Join our patron community, outsidethewalls.com. Click that Patreon link. Today's show is brought to you by Brandy Carey and all of our other patrons. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.